Jewish Board Talk with Sharice Zaffert. Elanit Chernik is a former reporter for The Star. She now lives in Israel where she works for the Jerusalem Post. And it's been close to a year since Elanit left our show. So I asked her to join me today to reflect on what it has been like to pursue her career as a journalist in the Jewish homeland. Elanit, welcome and thank you so much for joining me. Thank you so much for having me, Cherise. So I was just talking to Owen Manoim about um, prominent Jews in South Africa and... Um, I think you might be carving a, a certainly a definite name for yourself here. <laughs> as, uh, <laughs> um, you are absolutely beloved by the community. We enjoy seeing your articles. We enjoyed seeing them in the Star, and we enjoy seeing them in the Jerusalem Post. But what has the journey been like, Elanet? You know, a lot of people say that they love seeing my Facebook posts and they love seeing how you know how my journey's been and how amazing and how I've like taken idea by the horns and all cool things like that but you know Facebook makes things look a lot smoother than they really are and it hasn't been as smooth sailing and as easy as people might think it's not so easy to you know pick up your entire life and you know quit a very good job and head off to Israel and luckily I was very lucky that I had the job at the Jerusalem Post lined up before I left so that was very, you know, it was a, in that respect, it was like quite a, a nice way to, to start off my journey as Aliyah. But I hit the ground running from the day that I, that I made Aliyah, from the, the day that I arrived in Israel. Two days later, I was already working at the Jerusalem Post and already trying to get stories out. And so it hasn't been so easy. You know, there's lots of ups and downs and, you know, there's lots of challenges. And, you know, when you're living on your own and, you know, doing the, 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 the simple things, you know, just getting the simple mundane things done can sometimes be a little bit difficult. But it's good. And it's, and I'm, I don't regret making the decision even for half a second. So I remember when I was a student and studying in Holland, um, I remember how difficult the first three months were and how something simple as going to buy shampoo can <laughs> lead to a complete and utter moment of crisis thinking what on earth am I doing here trying to figure out which one is the shampoo which one is the conditioner and which one is the appropriate one for my hair and I think people don't think at that kind of level it sounds very glamorous it sounds very exciting I know that you are um, a strong Zionist and, and that you know part of the reason you went was because you wanted to live the Jewish dream um, but what what would you say to people who are thinking of making Aliyah? Um, I would say that it's an incredible journey and that it's worth every second and it's incredibly meaningful. You know, the challenges that I face are good challenges. They're not challenges that are, you know, that are hard. Like, you know, that they're hard, but they're not bad challenges. They're challenges that make me a better person and help me to grow as a person. So that's what's been really cool about it. And that's what's been amazing is that I think I've grown a lot in, in the year that I've been away. I think the challenges that I've faced whether it be the language barrier, whether it be, you know, trying to get a hold of an Israeli politician to do an interview with them or that kind of stuff. And then trying to explain to them that I'm on Ola Kharasha and that can we do it Cheti, Ivrit Cheti, Hebrew Cheti, English, you know, trying to get that um, side of things done. And, you know, like, like I said, the mundane things. And I think like what you were saying with getting the shampoo, my, my thing is that I'm like, I'm working 12, 13 hours a day. So trying to find time to go shopping <laughs> sometimes I do it during my, my like dinner break that's what's like really funny is that like I'll like go off during my dinner break to get like shopping done and I'll come back and the whole office just packs up laughing when I walk in with all my packets <laughs> like of everything that I need for like the next week it's like very you know and it's entertaining and that's what's so cool and what's amazing about it also is the people that you meet and the people you know ask in in Israel the, the one thing that I was advised 
and I'll tell this to anybody who's making Aliyah, always ask. If you're not sure, if, you're un- if you need help with something, ask. Israelis may come across as quite prickly on the outside and, you know, very sabra-ish on the outside. But the minute you need help with something or the minute you need advice on something, you'll have 20, you know, you'll have two Jews and 20 different opinions. So that's what's really cool about it. And that's what I, what I found very amazing like and, and very empowering for me is that, you know, people don't, the, the thing with Israel, is, with Israel is it's a very, very fast paced lifestyle and it's very hectic. And, you know, lots of things are going on, whether it be in the political sphere with what's been going on in Gaza and all that kind of stuff, or whether it just be in day to day life, you know, and a lot of people, you know, they're, they're, it's not that they're selfish. They're just thinking very, like, very strategically, strategically and very two minutes ahead. They're not, they're not thinking, like, a lot of the time that people are not, like, thinking very, very far ahead in life. They're thinking now, the now, today. How am I going to get through today? What am I need to get done today? That's, you know, there's a lot. And... um a lot, of, a lot of the time they don't think to ask. It's not that they're selfish. They just don't think to ask. But the minute you do ask, <laughs> you, you're helped in two seconds. And that's what I found amazing. You know, if you're not sure of how to – simple things like, I don't know, people – I've seen I've seen it for myself where tourists come and they don't know how to work, the, you know, the money for the tram or – and you have these guys standing there and they just ask them and then they, they come and they help and they're so willing to help. And that's what's so amazing. And I've seen people, you know, with groceries. I, I've several times I've had, like, lots of groceries on the bus and, like, but people have seen that I've been heavy and there's a guy who gets off, you know, right near where I get off and he says, let me help you with your groceries up to your apartment or near to your apartment so that you don't have to carry everything, you know. That's what's so cool. And as long as you're asking, as long as, like, it's, it's there and people are, are so willing to help and that's what's been so great. But, again, just ask. <laughs> don't expect it, yeah. Um, Elanit, you were, I remember you as a journalist here in South Africa and I know you were extremely hardworking then. I know that you had long hours and I know the work that you did was... Um, pretty traumatic at times. I know you put yourself in the line of danger to get your stories. You were, I remember, I think the last time you came into the studio, we were talking about the fees must fall yeah. on campus. I remember you were battered and bruised and yeah. wounded. <laughs> <laughs> um, what, what is it like moving from that kind of a re- environment as a reporter to Israel? Israel, the news doesn't stop. If you think this, the news doesn't stop here, yeah, it doesn't stop there either. And it's to do with like the entire world. Every, the entire world is just focused on this little tiny country. And there's always something going on, whether it's between South Africa and Israel, whether it's been between the US and Trump and Netanyahu, whether it's been tr- between Cyprus. I mean, recently Cyprus and Israel like have been like really strengthening their, their connections. And for me, like as a as someone who's been in the line of fire a lot, it's been a lot of us it's much smoother there i found i have gone into like a few dangerous areas and done a few dangerous things that my parents were not too proud of do and they know about it now yeah that's so can you share now. it yeah. can you talk about it are we free to talk about it now? You know, it's like sometimes i've actually like posted it on twitter on like facebook and twitter and then my mother's like what <laughs> actually like <laughs> so yeah so i mean i've gone into kalandia and ramallah on my south african passport which was very interesting and it was very interesting to see how palestinians are living there and even more so in a respect that how they feel about Israel. And as much as they, you know, I went in to talk about the Great March of Return and to see what their thoughts were on the Great March of Return. And as much as they hate Hamas, they hate us just as much. And uh, I was looking at some of the kids' school books. I was with someone who could speak uh, Arabic and uh I was looking at some of the school books, and it was very concerning to see what some of the things that the kids are learning. And what to are be, they learning? Well, what I found in one of the school books was a 
it, it was very concerning actually. The, the, there was a picture of a guy dressed as a as a biblical Jew, and there was like all these pictures, all these biblical Jews. And what was going on was in it was this was a grade one reader, just by the way, just to give you the the background. And what was going on was you could see these biblical Jews, even though they weren't called Jews in the reader, they were called occupiers. Um, they were burning down Palestinian homes wow. and pulling Palestinians out of their houses. And in the reader, there were these two little children. And that, the, the story circulates around these two little children as they're watching their poor Palestinian village being burnt down during Nakba. Um, and it was really concerning to see how the narrative was kind of spread across. And that made basically Jews, even though, like I said, it didn't mm. say the word Jews, but we all know who they're talking mm. about and the way they made them dress. You know, we all know who they who they were talking about. Frightening. It was very scary to see this narrative and, and how, like, and then at the end of the story, you know, you see these you see these two little children, like, huddling together, and then at the end of the story, they were watching their village burn down, and suddenly two of the biblical Jews come and pull them away from from the from the village that, that they're watching burn, and it doesn't look so good. You're kind of wondering why are they pulling them away, these two little young girls, and a man pulling these two little young girls. That was, like, the concern that I had, is that, there, there is no like when I was reading all of the stuff, you can see there's no room for any kind of peace or any kind mm. of dialogue, and that's what's so scary. scary. And they're grade ones. Do you know what I'm saying? They're little children. Mm. And if this is what, yeah, and if this is what kids are learning, and the problem with the Middle East really is that there's such denialism over everybody's history. Yeah. You know, probably to some extent, both sides, but clearly very much more on the Palestinian side. Yeah. That, that, that Jews have any right to that land is just completely and totally denied. Yeah, the the other thing that I saw in the book was they showed Jerusalem, the whole city of Jerusalem, which is supposed to be a city that under 1947 when the UN offered, you know, the, the whole of Israel, like Israel and the different, you know, um, Jerusalem was supposed to be the international city where everybody could come. And within this little, within like the school books, they show Jerusalem and it's just full of Palestinian flags and the Al-Aqsa Mosque and the Dome of the Rock are huge. And you can see there's absolutely no space for like Judaism or Christianity or anything there. And that, that's my, also my biggest concern. So what do you do when you see something like that? I mean, as a journalist, what rights do you have? What not power much, do you have? What much, voice do you have? Not much because the, the issue that I had was, uh, was, you know, you don't want to make, you know, you don't want to draw attention to yourself when you're in those areas. And uh, to be honest, I was more scared there than I'd been in the middle of fees must fall and being shot with rubber bullets or any, or tear gas or anything. I was a lot more scared there. Um, and as much as it seemed relatively normal and people were willing to talk and people were relatively like open with you, um, you had to make sure that you only spoke English. That was the big thing is that I only spoke English. I didn't make out that I knew any Hebrew. And, you know, it's, it's, it's like very, it's, it's, you've got to be very careful because you don't want Palestinian authority, the security, a lot of Palestinian authority security around and you don't want them to stop you and to start like wondering what you're doing there. Mm. So you can't pull out your cell phone and start taking pictures no, of these books sure. and stuff. Like as much as I wanted to, I, I was like desperate to take my phone out and to actually start picturing these books. But I knew that if I did that, it would draw attention to myself and I didn't want to do that. It was just like one of those things that I didn't really want to do. Um, and you just kind of keep your head down. And I mean, what I did is I reported on what they said about the, you know, my boss told me to go and get stuff on the Gaza Mart to return, how they felt. And that's what I did. And I, yeah. I, that's how I reported it. And, you know, I didn't, I didn't bring up any of this kind of stuff. Cause like, again, you don't want to put yourself into any danger because you never know when I might be asked to go back there mm. and you might see the same people. You never know. Mm. So you've got to just be very, very careful and very wary. You've got to watch your surroundings because Kalandia is quite a, it's quite a, a volatile area. A lot of the time when there's issues like the, when the great, 
uh, March of Return was happening, Kalandia blew up. That was like there was a lot of rioting and they were going for soldiers and riot police. And it was very, you know, so it's a very volatile area. So you don't want to make any enemies there, any, any enemies there. And you've got to just be very careful. One of the jobs you do at the Jerusalem Post is also sub-editing, which includes checking facts. Now, when we look at some, uh, an area such as Israel, um, where there are so many different versions of events taking place, how easy is it for you as a journalist to verify facts? You know, Google and the internet are wonderful tools, and you have, you know, you have a lot of facts within, you know, like if you look, at, if you just look at like Safi, even Safi that we have here, sometimes I even refer to them, and I'll look at the facts that they have on their website, and you know, it's very easy for people to to slant, you know, we, mm. to slant it, and we I have seen like, you know, the the post is it's an amazing, that's what's amazing about the post is it's a very it's 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 very center, and you've got journalists on the left and journalists on the right, and sometimes the journalists on the left might say some things that aren't 100%, you know, and you've got to kind of make it look like that it's not a center thing. I mean, that it's not a left thing, that this is you're just reporting the fact and any kind of commentary that's going on within the 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 um, reports that are being checked, you've got to make sure that they're just the facts, that, that the reporter is reporting the facts, unless it's an opinion piece, unless it's an analysis piece. Um, you've got to just make sure that those that the facts that are being reported are correct and that there's no opinion within the news story. Where do you meet when you're covering stories? Like I know in South Africa, the journalist community, irrespective of their um, media, are actually quite close. Journalists find themselves uh, all together at a certain event and I know friendships are made. And um, When you're in Israel, is it the same kind of thing? And also, do you see foreign journalists who are there with the aim of... Um, distorting truth uh there is definitely i think within the the israeli journalist community and the journalists that are actually properly working there you know like you've got your journalists from the jerusalem post from from r24 from um Arut sheva and Haaretz. there definitely is a you know there is a connection and a closer connection and if they a lot of the time if they're journalists that are living in israel um you do connect with them and I'm friends with like a lot of them on Facebook and if I have questions and stuff sometimes I will ask them and you know like we you know you post things that you're covering and stuff and a lot of the time they'll comment on it and you know and that's there is there definitely is a camaraderie I don't think at the moment I haven't found that it's as strong mm. as it, as I had a chat but remember I worked here for three and a half years and it definitely took a year and a half for me to actually break in with you know with the the really amazing journalists that we have here and when I was going to crazy situations, it's, you know, and those crazy situations are what bring you together. So yes. a lot of the time I haven't actually been in like I've been in like a few crazy situations, but it hasn't been like it was like on my own accord. I like went with like a journalist from the post and we went to like do stuff. And so I haven't like had a huge amount of like um, connecting with those journalists like on the ground. Um, I've done like one or two things where I've connected with like a few and like now we're like friends and like we can talk and we can hang out and stuff. Um, but what's amazing is also I found there's quite a bit of camaraderie within the Jerusalem Post itself though and with the, oh, with the journalists nice. as well. You know, like they, they're there. Like there's guys like Seth Fransman who are willing to really just like mentor you and Steve Lindy who's willing to mentor you and look after you and willing to take you on adventures and go with you and let you take the lead sometimes and that's what's really great i mean i went to set down to gaza um a little while ago and it was amazing 
it was it was a few months ago. It was just before. It was probably in December when there were rockets coming in again, and they went through like a patch for about for about a week where there were rockets coming in sporadically. And we went down, and I thought like you know I'm just going down to see how he does and whatever. And he made me take the lead in the oh, story, amazing. and that was what was so, so it's incredible kind of about mentorship it. And, they're le- um, and they're there, and they're there to be there for you, and to, and that's that's what I found so amazing is, you know, you have like I had like an incredible editor here at the Star and. Um, Kevin Ritchie and it's like having 20 Kevins like that's what's so cool about it um, and yeah you know what it's not so easy and but it's amazing and, and people are there you know Ellen, I can't believe we're actually our time is just about up but I'd like to ask one question because I think this is the kind of thing that worries many people and that is the language um, did you when you arrived in Israel did you go on and kind of a pun is it compulsory and to what extent are you able now to speak, you know, how has your Hebrew developed one year later? Um, so I did all Pioneer for four months. Um, I needed to leave a bit early, though, because um, the post was offering me more shifts and I really wanted to take them and I thought it was much better yeah. experience. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I'd gotten, I'd gotten enough of the gist of, of all pan. And I went with, like, not a, not a good Hebrew, but a basic Hebrew. And I can now do basic interviews in Hebrew. Wow. You know, I went down when I went down in December with Seth um, to Gaza. The people in Sarot do not the residents of Sarot do not speak any English. Mm. They don't speak English, so you have to do it in Hebrew. And you know, I record it just to make sure that I'm getting all the facts 100 percent correct. But what was incredible is that I did this interview and it was fully in Hebrew. And I've interviewed one of the MKs also fully in Hebrew. So you can do it. Um, it's a bit of a stretch, and sometimes it's a bit hard. But it definitely has come along, and I don't think it should be something that it's stops people t- from coming. I think it should be something that you strive towards and that you work very hard towards to achieve. And certainly, I'm imagining there's camaraderie among ex-South Africans. The Anglos, yeah, the, the Anglo community the in general, there's camaraderie and there's people out there, and you know what? You find your niche eventually, and you know it's taken me a while, and it's taken me a while to find my friends. It's the hardest. It is the hardest. I can tell you straight out. Don't expect everything to fall on a silver platter in your first year because it is a very, very hard year. You're trying to kind of get trying to get used to everything and it's not so easy. Well, we're always very happy as the Jewish Board of Deputies to know that when we send our press releases to the J Post and to yourself, we get an excellent article oh, um, out you. there. So we, we're very happy to have you there, Ilanette. Um, and just to say well done and thank you for coming in and sharing your story. Thank you so much for having me.